Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. So this week we're going to wrap up divine direction. This is going to be the last part of this. And as we're wrapping this up, next week we're going to start a new series called My Big Fat Mouth. Great series, great series. And really, the Bible says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. So there's a whole lot of power in our words according to Scripture. So we're going to look at that, look at our big fat mouths and what we can do with them and how we can use them on the, both the positive and negative to affect our life, change the trajectory of our life, where we're going, and get there smoother and faster. It's going to be a great, great series. So really hope to see you next week. If you have your Bibles, we're going to jump right into Psalms 37. Psalms 37, and this is verse 23. And we're talking about divine direction, being directed by God. And it, it, it can be easy to, to look at and say, well, I want that, but how do we actually get there? And I mean, what, what do we do? Do you, do you throw a coin up in the air and say, God, direct the coin? Try to catch it and be like, okay, heads or tails? And like, okay, God, direct the, direct the coin. Or is it like the super spiritual thing where you open up your Bible and like flip through the pages and then blindly point at one and be like, this is God speaking to me. And then you look at that and you're like, okay, and, and it is God's word, but is it really speaking to you in this moment and with the question that you have? Or do you go to like the magic eight ball or popular opinion, throw a Facebook poll out there and be like, this is how I want direction in my life. God works through these people. But here's our prayer. Our prayer is that through this series and at the end of this series that you would have more peace in your life than ever before and more purpose as well. Because I believe with all of my heart that we can have divine direction in our life we can hear his voice, and Psalms 37, 23 says this. It says, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. He directs the steps. And we, we mentioned that last week, and we're going to get into that more this week, but that's how, that's how God wants to lead each and every one of us. He wants to lead us in steps, not these huge giant, here's the entire picture. I think many of us wish that that's what it was, that it was the Google map, where you put in the end of the destination that you want to go, and then it gives you the entire trip. Now, I don't know about you, but I have a rule with Google. I don't just do what it says. Like, there's no way. I look. So anytime I, I'm going somewhere, I get on my phone, and I kind of zoom out, and I'm like, where does it have me going? It's got me going this way. It says similar routes, and I'm like, oh, no, that's not so similar. I know I'm better than you in this, and I'm like, I've got to see the whole thing. I think many of us, that's how we like it. We want to know the destination. We want to know where we're going. We're looking at steps, and we're like, what's, what's, what's happening? But here, as we look, God leads through steps. This is, and here's what we're saying. I am not saying that this is the only way that God can lead. I'm not putting God in a box and saying, this is it, this is the only thing that he does, and this is the only way that he will ever lead you. However, this is a pattern that we see in Scripture, and it is something that God has given us Scripture so that we do know how he does certain things, and he can lead us differently for sure, but it's a pattern that we see, and it's outlined very clearly in Scripture that he leads us in steps. In fact, in Acts chapter 8, it says this in verse 26, it says, as for Philip, an angel of the Lord, said to him, go south down to the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. 
Now, an angel, let me just think about it. I would be like, if an angel appeared to me, I'd want a little more than go south to the road. I'm like, you came all the way down here, and all you're going to tell me is go down to this road? I'd, I'd like a little bit more. But this is, this is a pattern that we see over and over. It's God leads us in steps. So Philip goes and does it. This is verse 27. It says, so he started out, and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Kinetic, uh, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, verse 28. And he was now returning, seated in his chariot. He was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Philip got one step, verse 29. Now the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk beside the chariot, or the carriage. Either one of these, the Holy Spirit or the angel, could have given him every step. Could have given him four, five, six, seven steps. Could have given him the next three weeks or four months, like this is what's going to happen. But they don't do that. And this is a pattern that we see over and over and over. And then verse 30, Philip ran over. He heard the man reading from the prophet of Isaiah, and Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? He heard it, and he's like, oh, okay, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go do it. So he got a step, and because he took a step, he got the next step. But here's the thing. This is going to be mind-blowing. Are you ready? I'm going to blow your mind. This is like, this is it. Step two comes after step one. I know, right there, you're like, whoa, whoa, this guy, wow, God is in this. No, but seriously, if, as we look at this, look, look at, think about Philip. He took that first step. What do you think would have happened if he didn't take the first step? Nothing. What if he took the first step? What if he went to the road, but then he didn't take the next step, which was to go up by the chariot? What do you think would have happened? Nothing. Nothing. I think it's so easy for us to get the idea and get used to, I don't want to take this step until I know what's next. But the pattern that we see is completely different. It's completely different. I think of it kind of like headlights. At night, you get in your car, you start that car, it's dark, you can't see, you turn on your headlights. And how far do they go? They don't really go that far, do they? Right? Like if I, if I tonight, if I get in my car, I start my car, lights go on, and I want to go up to Cadillac to go hunting, even though I already got my buck. I, I mean, I mean, just, just, to, just to throw that out there, yes, I already got one. It was an eight point. Thanks for asking. But uh, if I did want to go up and go hunting, would my headlights go from here all the way to Cadillac? No, they don't. But they go a little ways in front. They go a little ways. They go far enough. And because they go far enough, when I start moving, I can keep going. And we're used to that. We don't even think twice about it. I think it's amazing the things that we get used to, that we don't even think are dangerous, or that we just we think this is the way it goes. Headlights, we, drive, we travel 70, 75 miles an hour on the expressway, and we can only see 100 yards in front of us. But we get to travel wherever we need to go. We get used to certain things, and we just see them as, as, as normal. And normal is not taking a step if you do not know what's next. It's, it's just not normal. Uh, I love rock climbing, Years ago, I did it, did it quite a bit more than I do, I do now, um, but one time my father-in-law got, got wind of what I was doing, and, and at the time, I was, I'd, I'd taken a trip out to Montana, and I was by myself out scouting around and climbing, and the particular place we were at had these spires, and absolutely gorgeous, 
So you're out in, these, in the mountains in Montana, and the spires were these huge rock formations that came out of the side of these uh, like mountains, but you could walk up or you could kind of crawl up the backside of these, and you'd end up standing on a two, sometimes a 300-foot sheer cliff. Really cool. So I'd go out there, and, and I was by myself, but I had rope and climbing gear, and I've done this before, and so I'd go out there, and I'd, I'd anchor off on the top, and always to multiple, um, to multiple anchor points, whether it was a tree or a rock, I'd do multiple trees and rocks, and then I'd throw my rope over the edge, tie in, and I had a, a self-belaying device that wouldn't let me fall down. I could always climb up, but I couldn't go down. And then I'd go over the side of the cliff, I'd go down, and I'd climb back up. It was really, really fun. And if you ever got tired, you could just sit there until your strength came back. And I always got back up. And if you can't get back up, you could always just climb up the rope because you got the rope going to the top. So I'm like, this is so safe. This is just great. Some of you are looking at me like, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. But that's what I did, and I was feeling really safe about it. I'm like, yeah, this is good. Well, my father-in-law catches wind of this, and he's like, what are you doing? He's a doctor. And so he's kind of, he's great. Don't get me wrong. He's great. But he's pretty much sure that everything you do is going to kill you. Like, sitting in that chair, you'll probably die. Like, okay? He, he knows somebody that's died sitting in a chair, so it might have happened. Or, like, that, that is him. It really is. So he hears what I'm doing, and he's like, that is so dangerous. I can't believe you're doing that. That's so irresponsible. And I'm like, that's dangerous? He's like, yeah. I'm like, okay. I said, Bruce, that's my father-in-law. I said, how, how did you get here today? He was, at, he was at my house. I go, how did you get here today? He goes, I drove. And I'm like, like how fast did you drive? And he's like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, how fast did you drive? And so he was on the expressways. He says, how fast he was going. I'm like, okay, did you pass anybody on the way? He's like, well, yes. I'm like, okay, I'm climbing in a situation that I'm in complete control of where unless there's an earthquake, which did happen one year but not while I was climbing, but unless there's an earthquake, I'm the one who checks the rope, who ties the anchors, who double checks, who rechecks all of my gear. There's really not a whole lot of outside anything that's going to happen to me. He's like, well, yeah. I'm like, okay, but you drive your car here. 55 on a country road? And he's like, well, yeah. And I'm like, and you have other cars coming at you? And he's like, well, yeah. I go, how fast are those cars going? He goes, probably 55, because nobody ever speeds, right? Ever, ever. But even then, that's two cars, 55 miles an hour, going at each other on a road. But it's totally safe because there's this painted yellow line in the middle that keeps you apart. You ever think about that? And sometimes it's not even a, a solid line. It's dotted. But we feel completely safe. I mean, on your way here, if a car came at you on the other side of the road, did you just freak out like, I'm going to die? Like everyone, your heart's just boom, 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 boom. Oh, he stayed on his side of the road. There's another one. Boom, boom, Oh, he's on this. There's another one. No. We get used to it. And we don't even think of it as, as different. We don't think of it as, I almost died 77 times on the way here. To, that's how many cars. We don't think of it because we get used to it. And I think many of us, we are used to not taking another step until we know what's five, ten years down the road. We like to plan. We like to know what is happening. But as we look at God's word, that really isn't the typical way that he works. He leads us in steps. And that second step isn't coming until we get the first step. Because number two comes after number one. And number three comes after number two and number one. 
And then number four, well, you know where I'm going. I'm stopping. Like, we don't need to do that anymore. Because here's the thing. God will wait. God will wait until we're willing to take that step that he's already put in front of us. I want to read 1 Peter chapter 3. This is 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 20. It says, God waited patiently in the days of Noah. God waited patiently while Noah was building his boat. God instructed Noah to build a boat, and it took him like a decade to build the boat. And God just waited. And sometimes I wonder, is God waiting for us? Where we're like, God, you need to do something. He's like, I've already given you a step, and you haven't even taken it. I've already told you to reach out and to apologize. I've already told you to be the bigger person in this relationship and to just say, okay, I'll lay down my life. It's not about me. Let's just make this about you. I'll, I'll serve you in this relationship. He's like, I've already told you what to do. You want step three. You want step four, but you won't take step one. You want step nine, but you're still on step six. And God's like, I'll wait. I'll wait for you. We can live with divine direction. We most definitely can. But we have to take the steps that God puts in front of us. He waited patiently. If you want more of God, you want him to direct your life like never before, then do seek him like you never have before. You've probably heard this, but the definition of insanity is doing the same thing you've always done and expecting different results. Like it just doesn't, it doesn't change. It's going to be the same thing. You want something different, we do it differently. We say, okay, God, I don't want what everybody else has, so I'm not going to live life like everybody else does. I don't want to walk around and hate going to get the mail because another bill is coming, so I'm not going to spend money like everybody else does. I'm going to do it differently. I don't want to live in constant debt, so I'm not going to go out to eat like everybody else does and spend my money on consumables like everybody else does. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to live differently. If we want something different, we're going to do something different, and we can get that. You, we can do it. So if we want more from God, we say, God, I want your divine direction in my life. Here's what God's word says. says, seek and you will find, Matthew 7, 7. Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find it. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Seek after God. Say, I want divine direction in my life. Say, God, show me what that step is. He will show you. He might show you in his word. He might speak to you by his Holy Spirit. Now, I've never had the audible word of God spoken, like I heard it and been like, whoa, who's behind me? Whoa, God, that was you. I have not had that. I would love that. But I have had over and over where God put something in my heart, and I'm like, I think that's God. I think that's God. That's when we planted, when we started this church, out in my tree stand praying. So many good things happen in tree stands, by the way. Just anyways. So, I'm out in my tree stand praying. I really feel God speaks to me. I go tell Becca. I said, I think we're supposed to pastor. She laughs. Yep, have fun. And I'm like, that's not what I expected at all. But here's what happened. When I talk about this, this waiting thing, I felt that God spoke to me that that's what we were supposed to do. She didn't. So we just sat there literally just waiting. And it was months of, of talking where I would talk to some pastors and be like, hey, I'm kind of feeling this. 
of, of looking at possible pastoral positions at different churches that are open and, 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 and scheduling some stuff. And finally, I said to Becca, I'm like, we're not getting anywhere. I'm like, here's the deal. If God spoke to me, he'll speak to you. If he doesn't speak to me, if he doesn't speak to you, we're not doing this. I believe he spoke to me, but if he didn't, we don't need to do this. I said, we, we have a great job. We're, we're doing really well. Company is, is, is going well. It's growing. We've got more business. We're turning, like, we're good. We don't need to do this, and we'll, we'll serve, we'll serve, and we'll be a part of building the church in a capacity no matter what. Like, that's just what we do. So we don't have to worry about that. I said, but if God spoke to me, he'll speak to you. And she said, well, can I have a couple of days to go and, and to seek God? I said, yes, do it. You go your way. And she's like, that's what I'm going to do. She's like, I'm going to go, and I'm going to go to some coffee shops. I'm going to meet with some of my mentors. I'm going to talk with some people. I said, have fun. I'll take the kids, and, and you go do that. And off she went, and, and, and we had one car, so I even had to get, I, we borrowed a car, borrowed my, my mom's car so she could have a car and I could have the van with all the kids, and, and she goes off. And about an hour and a half later, I get a call from her, and she's like, I'm in your mom's stupid truck, and I can't figure out the heat. And I'm like, okay. She's like, and I'm at the stupid mall, and this thing's too big to park. And I'm like, okay, and I'm returning this stupid shirt. And I'm like, why are you giving me that? Like, thank you so much for the update. This is, this is great and encouraging. My heart is just warmed right now. Yes, this is, this is wonderful. This is what I'm thinking. You don't say that out loud, but this is what I'm thinking. And, and she's like, and she says, and, and I'm being stupid. She's like, this is the very thing that I prayed for. This is the next step that God has for us. This is what we need to be doing. And I'm like, all right, sounds good. And crazy how... I had felt God speak to me. I talked to her, but nothing, we, we got nowhere for months until we both were on the same page, until God confirmed with her, yes, this is what this is. Yes, this is my next step for you. And then all of a sudden, we, got, we took that next step, and then we had another step, and it's like, okay, let's go over here, and these guys can help you guys know what to do here, and you could try this, and this, this job is open over here, and do you really want to do this? And what about these two cities, and which one do you feel more? And we pray, and our hearts are united. We don't think Caledonia. We think Allendale, and why do we... But we had to get on the same page. That step was super important. And we didn't get to skip that step. And I'm so glad we didn't. I'm so glad we didn't. I would hate it if I was like, woohoo, I'm so excited about building church in the kingdom of God. And she's like, have fun. Like, that would be awful. She's like, well, that's your thing. Instead, we're united and like, yes, this is what God has us doing. And we're excited to do it together and excited to see Allendale grow and the change that's going to happen as a result. But God gives and leads in steps. He really does. And we look at a story that really illustrates this in Joshua. And you may have heard this before, but we're just going to read the beginning part of this, and we're going to kind of digest it. So we're about five verses we're going to read through here. This is what it says in Joshua 6, chapter 1. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because the Israelites, no one went out and no one came in. The children of Israel are now coming to the promised land, and the first city they come to the first city they come to is the city of Jericho. Huge walls had never been, never been defeated in battle. This was their battle strategy. They just barred it all up, and they were just like, we're cool inside. If you're not familiar with the children of Israel and the promised land, the promised land is the land that Moses had walked on, excuse me, Abraham had walked, and God said, wherever you tread your feet, I will give this to you, you and your descendants forever. And that's actually the nation of Israel right now. And that's why you see the nation of Israel in the news, even though it's so small, 
all the time is because God's word, what he said then, is still true today. But this is the first time that the children of Israel, the Israelites, are going to the promised land. They get there. There's this fortified city. They're all freaking out because the Israelites are there. Verse 2, now the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all your armed men. Do this for six days. Sweet strategy. Let's keep going. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear the sound of the long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the walls of the city will collapse and the army will go up even straight in. So that's what God tells Joshua to do. Now, if you've heard the story and you're familiar with this, you're like, it worked, that's great. But can you imagine being Joshua and being like, okay, now I get to go tell people, hey, this is how we're going to take down the wall. We're just going to march around it. Can you imagine delivering that news? Be like, we're going to destroy the city. It's going to be great. We're just going to walk around it. Like, what does that in the natural do? In the natural, does that do anything to bring down those walls? No. It does nothing. It does absolutely nothing. They just march around it and come back. And here's the thing. I believe over and over, God asks us to do things that in the natural, they won't solve our problems. They won't solve our problems. You ever do that? It's like, hey, you have a need? Watch this. Go bless your neighbors. And you're like, what? I'm financially feeling stressed right now, God. And he's like, sweet. You're feeling stressed? Your neighbors are too. Go bless them. Go buy them some groceries. Or you're at the grocery store and you look at that person and you see the person in the grocery store. I know somebody in this room that did this. They were at the grocery store, looked, saw somebody and said, we need to buy their groceries. Let's go give them some money. Hunted them down and gave them 100 bucks for groceries. But so often the thing that he asks us to do in the natural doesn't solve our problem. And we think, how's this going to get me where I need to go? Look at this. Look at this battle plan. You're going to take down the city by doing something. By doing what? Marching around it. And I think it might have been easy. It doesn't include this. This isn't in there. But I don't think, okay, so you sell the battle plan. This is what we're going to do. We're going to march around it, and God's going to bring the walls down on the seventh day. And everybody's like, yeah, they've seen God be faithful in their lives. They crossed the Jordan River at flood stage, and God backed it up. It said, the Bible actually says that the water piled up love to have seen that. And they were able to walk across on dry land. So they've witnessed all of this. And they're like, okay, we can do this. I can imagine them, they go, and they march around the city the first day. And they're like, okay, we saw it. You come home, and it's like, well, what happened today? Like, oh, we marched. What happened? Nothing. We just kind of, we just marched. Nothing happened. Day two comes. If I was marching, this would be me. I'd be marching around, and I'd be like, that crack doesn't look any bigger. I'd be like, nope, foundation still looks the same. That window, you know that stone, I saw that like teetering there last, yesterday, it's still teetering. I would be looking at everything being like, has anything happened yet? Has anything happened yet? Has anything happened yet? And I think this is the place that most of us stop, is because we take a step, but we don't see the result that we think that we should. It's that 
that disconnect. It's that disconnect. And I know it's true in the natural, so I know that we have the the tendency to do that in the spiritual. Because in the natural, in the natural, if every time I ate a no-bake cookie, which I love no-bake cookies, those are like my favorite, they're so good, and they're the best right out of the oven when they're so hot you have to drink the milk because they're burning your mouth while you're eating them. And Beck's like, let them cool down. I'm like, no, they're so good. And I get the kids over there, and she's like, they don't know how to eat like you. And I'm like, yes, I do. She really lets me. And we just, we just devour them while they're hot, and you kind of half burn. I love no-bake cookies. But if every no-bake cookie I ate, if I just ate a no-bake cookie, it was like, oh, that's so delicious. Boom, love handle. Whoa, whoa, where did that come from? Would I be like, oh, I probably need another one and balance it out. Boop, boop. Oh, there we go. Now we're good. Hey, love. No. Like, I wouldn't do that. But we know what happens when we eat that type of food. You, you, you got to watch it. You got to be really careful. Or you do. Boop, boop. You get the love handles. But it's not instant. There's a disconnect, isn't there? There's a disconnect. It's the same with exercise. If every time I, if every 10 crunches I did equaled an ab, I would not have a six-pack. I'd have a 48-pack. I'd be like, 10. Oop, there it is. Bloop. 10. Oop, there's another one. Yes. But, there's a, but here's the thing, is it does. We know that we can strengthen our core. We can, we can do that. But there's a disconnect between we do the exercise and we see the result. There's a disconnect. And there is so often a disconnect when we follow God, when we take that step, and we take that first step, and we're like, I don't see the result. I did lap one and two, and I still just, I don't see the result. I don't see the promise. I don't see God's promise in this. You're like, I have. I've, I've been generous. We're, we're, we're giving generous, and like, like, we're doing it. We're not just tithing, but we're, we're being generous, and we're givers because and, and by the way, you can't be a giver until you tithe because the tithe is the first tenth and anything after that you can be generous with. And you're like, I'm going to be crazy and we're going to do this. And so you begin to do it and you say, God, we're going to honor you in this. And you take that step and then you look and you're like, I did that one week and I, I don't really see it being true. Next paycheck comes and we say, okay, I'm, I'm going I'm to do this. And so we, we do it again and then we look at our bank account, we look at our bills and we say, God, I don't see the change yet. I think we're like those Israelites going around the city, going, I don't see it yet. I don't see it yet. Maybe it's, your, maybe it's your marriage. Maybe you're on the brink of divorce, and you're like, I have been trying. I've done everything that I know to do, and it's just not working, and I just want to stop because it's not working. It doesn't matter how great I treat him or how great I treat her. It doesn't matter how many times I say I forgive or how many times I say I'm sorry. It's not working, and I just want to stop. I don't want to try anymore. It'd be easier not to. It'd be easier to start over. Anything would be easier than trying to fix this mess. Let me just tell you, it's not true. It's not true. Don't stop. Keep going. And here's the thing. When in a relationship, when you go through something like that, something where it's, no matter what it is, small or big, the bigger It is that you go through and you get on the other side of that. Here's what happens is you look back and you're like, if we made it through that, we could make it through anything. It's not easier to start over new and be like, oh, look at lovey-dovey. This is wonderful. We don't know each other. No. You say, we are together. We are in this for the good and the bad. 
for better or worse, we're going to work it out. We're going to figure it out. We're going to get to the other side of this, and we're going to be better on the other side. Don't even say the D word. You know what it is. Just don't even say it. We don't even go there. We say, we're going to figure this out. We're going to get to the other side. But so often, there's that disconnect. There's that thing in between, and we're like, I don't know. Maybe for you, you broke off that relationship, that boyfriend, that girlfriend. You're like, you know, I know what's wrong, or that group of friends. And you're like, they've, they've got to go. I'm, they're just taking me where I shouldn't be. Maybe your parents told you you needed to, or maybe you just realized this on your own, but you break it off. And then you look around, and you're like, kind of alone right now. Thanks, God. This is great. This is so wonderful. And you look and you're like, no, this is, this is awful. This, thanks. Where's the, where, where's the result? God, I'm seeking after you. But now I'm all alone. I don't have the relationships that I had. I came back from Bible college and I had some great friends that lived in the area. I went to, to college in Oklahoma and I came back. And I look at my friends and I'm like, what happened? We had a riot in high school, building church, working in our, in our youth group. We were super involved in church and, and learning. And I come back, and they are all off doing like the stupidest things. And, I'm, and they're inviting me to go with them. And I'm like, no, not a chance. I don't want that. And I look around, and I'm like, I go off to Bible school, I come back, I've got zero friends, I just spent two years saying, okay, God, I want to serve you, I'm going to dedicate this to you, and then I come back, the friends, I've, I have zero friends, and I'm like, here I am again, because in grade school, I had kind of like the same thing, because in grade school, it's a little different, my mom, okay, had like, she, she scheduled friend dates, like trying to, anyway, it was, it was awful, awful awful. But anyways, anyways. And so I'm like, I just felt like, oh, I'm here again, like friend dates. Here I go. All right. Like, what, what is this? But you, just, you get to that point, and you're like, okay, here I am. God, where's the promise? I don't, I don't see the faithful. I don't see it coming. I don't see it happening. But here's the thing. If we stop, what if the Israelites had stopped on lap three? They walk around lap three, and they're like, it didn't work. I'm done. I'm not doing it. Three weeks without friends, I give in. I'm going to go hang out with these guys. It doesn't matter. I know that I really need to separate and the way that these guys, it, but it, it, it's work, right? You make excuses. You're like, well, I need to, to, to even move up in my company. If I ever want to get off this line, I really should, should get to know some of them better. And I know the way that they talk and what they're talking about and the things. It, I, I shouldn't be partaking in that, but I need to at least have some relationships so I can move up and we can justify and make some excuses and, and reasons why it's going to be okay if we do this. And this will really actually help in the long run. And, but really, we're giving up. We're stopping. We're saying, I'll, I'll go back and y'all, it's easier to quit. But what if the Israelites did that? What if lap four, lap five, they walk around and they're like, you know, I still don't see anything and they just stopped. I can tell you exactly what would have happened. Nothing. The walls, as the Israelites marched around those walls, they did not come down one-seventh every day. But that's what we'd love to see. We don't want the disconnect. Like, bring, bring them down. Bring, I want to see, see the progress that I am making. I need to see the progress that I'm making. First woman to ever swim the English Channel. She didn't, the first time she tried it, she didn't make it. It was a foggy day. And they couldn't see the other side. And she'd been swimming 
for hours and hours and hours. And finally, she gives up. She cannot see the other side. And she's got a boat along with her. And she says to the boat, she says, let me in. They're like, no, you're close. And she goes, I can't make it. Let me in. And she gets in. And when she gets in, she finds out she's within 100 yards of the other side. And she said, if I had been able to see the other side, I could have made it. And it is incredibly, it takes so much faith when we don't see the other side to say, God, I am going to keep going. But here's the thing. Those Israelites, they kept going, and they went around the sixth time, and they went around the seventh time. And they went, when they went around the seventh time, the walls came crumbling down. And what could have never happened in the natural, it happened in the supernatural. Because when we do our part, we do the natural, God brings his super, and we get the supernatural. And what they could have never done on their own, they did with God. The walls came down, and they marched straight in. So here's what I'm saying. Don't stop. Don't stop on lap four. Don't stop on five. And don't you dare stop on six. Don't give up on that relationship. Call. Say you're sorry. Repent. Say, hey, I'm sorry for my part in this. Don't give up. But instead say, I'm going to go forward. Keep moving. Because here's what I know. God said he would never leave you and never forsake you. And what he sends his word to do, it will accomplish. So keep moving in that. Don't stop and say, yeah, that worked before, but keep going. Don't give up. Say, God, and get around some people. Get in one of those small groups that we were talking about. Get around some people that can help you and will prop you up and say, no, your marriage, you're going to make it through this. You can get through this. I know. Get around somebody who says, I know relationship-wise, you have no friends right now. You will make it. You can make it. There are much better friends to come. Today, I have great relationships. I, I think I'm amazingly blessed with a bunch of great men that I can go to and talk to and ask questions and people who are older than me and younger than me and the same. And I'm like, wow, it is so much better today. But hold on and say, God, I will hold on to your promise. Because I don't know what it is, but I know that God has great things for you. That great things are ahead. But as we are about to close out right now, and I'm talking about, and we've been talking about divine direction, hearing from God, having his direction in your life, knowing, having peace and purpose, it all begins with a relationship with God. So I want to take a moment, and we will do this every week, but I want to take a moment and make sure that everybody here has a relationship with God. So would you just quickly, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? We want to just give some privacy to those that are around you. And if you're here and you say, you know what? I've never done that. I've never surrendered my life to God. Here's what that is, and here's what that means. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross and rose again, you will be saved. You will be. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to guess. You don't have to say, well, I'll see when I die. You can know because it's not about what you did or didn't do, but it's as a result of Jesus dying on the cross and what he did for you. So if you've never made that decision or you say, you know what? I made that decision and I did. I prayed that. But the truth is, I've been living for myself and to, today, I want to come back. I want to declare, God, I am yours and I surrender. I want to ask him to forgive me and make me new again. And I want to serve him like never before. I want to seek him like I never have because I want him to reveal himself to me like he never has before. I want that. If you're either of those, 
then in just a moment, I want you to lift your hand and then right in your seat, we're going to say a prayer together. We'll all say it together. And when we say amen, you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're forgiven, your sins are forgiven, you're on your way to heaven and begin to live out your life with more, with more peace and more purpose than you ever have before. If you're either of those, with every head bowed and eye closed, and at the count of three, just shoot your hand up high, not halfway, and declare, God, I want you today. One, two, three, all the way up. Say, that's me. Awesome. 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 Anybody else? All the way up. Say, include me. All right, hands down. And here's what we're going to do. I'm going to lead us all in a prayer. And as I do, everybody in here, please, just as I pray, everybody pray out loud. And those of you that lifted your hand, as you pray, as you say these words, make these your own and say them from your heart. Let's just all repeat after me, please. Say, Jesus, forgive me and make me new. From now on, I'm yours. Come rule and reign in my life. Thank you, God, for sending Jesus to shed his blood so I could be free. And from now on, I'm going to live for you. With all that I am, I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.